Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Yo, people, Anna David with After Party Pod. After Party Pod is a part of After Party Magazine, a website determined to change the face and get rid of the stigma around addiction and recovery. Now, After Party is a part of RehabReviews.com, the world's largest resource for treatment centers across the globe. You can go there to see if your rehab stay could be free. Go to RehabReviews.com slash benefits dash check. What else can you do there, you may ask? You can get a Recover Girl t-shirt. Just go to RehabReviews.com slash after dash party slash shop. Anyway, you'd know all of this if you were signed up for our newsletter. What are you doing? Go sign up. RehabReviews.com slash newsletter dash sign dash up. Now here's the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturdays. Hey guys, Anna David with After Party Pod. I have failed to mention in the last few episodes that I hope the sound is okay. I referred a few episodes ago to some, uh, recorder dropping that I did, and it really screwed things up. And so I'm actually recording this intro and the previous few episodes intros on a friend's recorder as I uh, plan to get a new one. And I don't know. I hope I hope the interview, the interview sound okay. I've got a guy working on it as we speak. So it hopefully it will be okay. And happy fall. I don't know. Maybe by the time you hear it, it'll be I'll be saying happy winter. It just turned fall here. And when I say turned and just, I mean, overnight, it went from 100 degrees and light to daylight savings time and cold and dark at four. But you know what? It's kind of nice. I always think uh, that it's that it's going to be hard. And I, I don't know. I mean, when I lived in New York, it, that was hard because I knew I was bracing myself for, uh, you know, five months of, you know, but it's nice, and um, been getting some great emails. Got one from from John, who who asked me to post three episodes a week, and God love him. Wouldn't that be awesome if I had that kind of motivation and that many guests? It's really sweet. He also told me about the rapper Joe Budden, who I didn't know about, but he is apparently somebody who brings mental health issues mainstream, and John told me about him because he knows how much I like Eminem, so... Uh, Joe, if you're listening, come on the podcast. Would love to have you. In other news, I've been getting some emails from companies that want to offer me sort of podcast-related deals, which I take as a sign that this podcast is growing. I tend not to really look that much at the numbers because I don't want to get caught up in that. But but these people seem to think I can afford to, I'm worth pursuing to to get involved with these things, or maybe they're just sending blanket emails to every single person with a podcast, which is to say every single person walking the earth right now. But 
I don't think I'm going to do any. One is about, uh, I mean, let me know if you think these things are good. One is about uh, a new crowdfunding pl- platform, which I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like asking y'all for money. And, and when I say that, the main reason is that I feel like I'll put something up there. You ask for it and you get four cents and it's just not even worth the trouble. Um, I got a podcast from an entrepreneur who is creating branded headsets where people can order these from your site preloaded with your shows. And then I guess they say the name of your show on the headset, which is cute. God, I'd love to see y'all running around with some after party pod headsets, but I don't know. I, I don't, I think that I don't see that happening. I don't see that the people, I don't see you guys doing that. And I mean that with so much affection and love. Uh, another thing helps you track important information about your audience, including a history of how popular your show is around the world. I don't know. Do I, do I want to know? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You guys are around the world. You could tell me. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be easier? I am going to move on to telling you about my guest for today. His name is Tony Dennison. He is a fantastic actor. And you know him from The Closer, which has become, um, it's called a spinoff, but it's the same show. It's just, there's no Kara Sedgwick in it. It's called Major Crimes. And he has been in everything. Uh, Crime Story, Wise Guy, Charmed, Criminal Minds, Prison Break, Walker, Texas Ranger, this goes way back. He is also sober a very long time and very, very involved in recovery events. He is always supporting those. And so I've seen him around for years, and we recently ran into each other at a luncheon for Friendly House, which is the oldest women's recovery home in Los Angeles. And and I'm on the board there. And he always shows up at these sorts of events. And so I'd been thinking about him for the podcast for a long time, it happened. And, oh, did I even say his name? Tony Dennison. He's wonderful. This is a really good episode. We get, uh, we get into the spiritual stuff. Hope no one's alarmed by that. I will, I will warn you in case this is a trigger, uh, the word Jesus is mentioned once I think, but you know, stop listening now if that's alarming. Anyway, with that, I give you Tony Dennison. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my god, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? You're just going to tell me at the time, okay. right? Yes, of course, ma'am. Okay, so what I told, what I was telling you, and I don't mean to p- start this off putting you on the spot, when I quote unquote met you at the lunch two weeks ago, that I've known you for years. Yes. Now I don't. I am not used to being forgotten. No, you weren't forgotten. Okay, you're on the spot, and I've got a tape recorder. <laughs> no, you two. weren't forgotten. In fact, I was. I hadn't seen you in a long time. And when I got to see you again at that luncheon... You said, I I, know her. I was a bit tongue-tied. You didn't seem tongue-tied. Well, it's because I'm an actor. Okay, that was awesome. Well, I had to make that... And I'm Sicilian, so I know how to act around a beautiful woman. Oh, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Do only Sicilians know that? This Sicilian does. (laughs) I wonder if Ashkenazi Jews know how to do that. Well, my whole life I grew up being told uh, that Sicilians were like the Jews and... All of my uh, my dearest friends, even to this day, are Jewish. They are. Yeah. In fact, I go. I have my friend Joel. I go to Shabbat dinner at his house 
I don't know, maybe 20 times a year. Jesus Christ. And you, and you want to know how often I'm invited to Shabbat dinner? A year? Like once? I don't even think once. Oh, and I also know more about, they joke, I know more about the Torah than, than Judah and Joel because I studied it for about three years. Why? Just wanted to. Interesting. And so... Now, do you think, um, wait, is it Judah, the, the clean radio Judah? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I, I listened to... I sort of sponsor him, but now I'm just sort of his, his older brother. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, you'd be a good older brother. I could see it. I, um, I know those guys. I went on that clean radio show years and years ago, and I, and I guess Judah's not on it anymore. No, he's not on it anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, but, okay, so let's get back to, to, to the lunch because, because I made a speech. I really just want to make this about me. You were charming. I made it. That was, you know, I'm not used to speaking in front of however many hundreds of people that was. You're kidding me. No. Oh, Who's you, used to I that? I thought you were like one of the hosts. You were like well, I was uh, accepting an award. Well, this is, I brought you here so that we could talk about this on the mic um, and you could say that. No, I was accepting an award on Moby's behalf. I know. Previous podcast guest Moby. Right. Um, no, but it was nerve-wracking. Well, um, it's always nerve-wracking. I mean, yeah. nerves are the, you know, they keep you alive. They make you feel awake. Yeah. And uh, they help you to be on point, I think. Do you get nervous uh, when you're acting? Yes. Every time? Every time. It's just that the, the intensity, I mean, <clears throat> I'm used to that feeling. Yeah. It's like, you know, we were talking before about my recovery. It's like in step seven where it says, you know, uh, we we're fail to get something we want or we're going to lose something we yeah. have. And then we suddenly we work around, walk around with demands. And uh, and I, I've discovered that a demand is a want that's turned into a need. Yeah. And it's okay to want things. But, yeah. I mean, anyway, the point is that I get, the, I know that feeling. Yeah. So I can shift out of it quicker. Right. So as far as the nervousness is concerned, when I'm going on to the set, when I'm about, when before they yell action, <coughs> I have an awareness that my technique, whatever it is, uh, I must surrender to it. Uh-huh, to the nerves. To, to the to the, yeah, the technique. And a little bit of nerves are part of that technique. I mean, the nerves are a lot more uh, vivid when I'm doing a play. Interesting, yeah. Just because... Because you're live and it's... In and there's time. no chance to say, hey, hey, hey let me do that yeah, again. The cut but do you really say, hey, let me do that again on like TV shows? <laughs> well... I mean, nobody, nobody'd be like down with you well, constantly saying, "Hey, let me do that again." Well, what you do, what I've done on occasion, mm -hmm. I don't do it a lot, mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, literally, I haven't done. I've counted on the like the fingers of both hands, maybe twenty times in the, on all the years that I've been working. That's you okay? Yeah, you need four hands. I'm a mathematician. No, go I, on. I've been I've been earning a living, primarily as an actor, in thirty years for thirty years. Yeah. So in the thirty years, I think twenty times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> most mm -hmm. uh, I have asked I said you know what do you mind if we do that again because I then they'll always come over and say no no it was great it was fine and I say yeah yeah that you know and you want to say okay that's your standard yeah I have my own standard yeah <laughs> and when I'm conscious of other things around me uh, where I normally am not or uh, I, I asked that I might do it again you mean if you sense you are not, in, if you know you are not entirely in the moment of your technique? Or, yeah, in the moment, or in the, in in the the moment of my technique. I mean, right. <clears throat> being in the moment is, is an overrated term. Um, whatever that means, 
for me, it's interesting that when I got sober, I could reach that place so much quicker and with so much more intensity than I could ever reach it before when I used to drink and use. I mean, I didn't drink and use on the job, but I mean, just that kind of like, you know, that, that, that attitude, that, that anger, that, you know, and um, I'm doing that on the radio and there's no visual here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, um, the, um, in sobriety, I can get to that place like so much quicker and I can leave it so much quicker. Yeah. Whereas in the past, when I, I, used, I used to start preparing, like when I was in makeup and hair, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then by the time I got to the set, I was like, you know, and I used to listen to the Rolling Stones uh, on my Walkman, mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. I would listen to the Beggar's Banquet and um, and the Let It Bleed. Those are my two albums to get me into that place of like rage. No matter what the role was. <clears throat> well, most of the times I played very uncompromising guys whether uh -huh. they were cops or or gangsters okay so cops and gangsters that's your that's your yeah i'd say of, of like if i had like a hundred jobs i'd say 80 of them were cops or gangsters mm -hmm. now in terms of being in the moment in acting that's one thing but what about being you know that's a huge thing we talk about in recovery is being in the moment um I find it very challenging myself and still and will oftentimes then then be conscious of the fact I'm not in the moment and then sort of want to beat myself up for not being in the moment. Do you experience that? I, I do, but I don't beat myself up nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. I had a dear friend you know, who was sort of like a quasi-sponsor and really good friend. His name is Leo Sullivan. He's now passed on. and He used to always say to me, say to everybody, but he would always say, be good to yourself. You deserve it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I don't rage at myself. I mean, I may get mad, but again, it's recognizing the feeling. The minute I feel that like I'm starting to put myself down, I stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and when in the past, I, would, may do, I may do it for an hour, two hours, three hours. I may do it for a couple of days. Now it's maybe a minute or two. But it's not that easy to just stop. I mean, I don't know where you are in the spiritual aspect, don't, but do you think... Well, I realize that it's easy to get there. Mm -hmm. So then, but in turn, if you recognize the feeling, then it's easier to get out. Maybe not as easy to get there, but easier to get, but a, a, more, it's a simpler process than mm -hmm. it used to be. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, um, you know, uh, it's like there's the line in the, in, in, in the big book, it says, that in chapter five, that it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, it's only as cunning, baffling, and as powerful as me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm if I'm responsible for the cunning, cunning, baffling, and powerful disconnection, then by in turn, I'm cunning, baffling, and powerful. If I seek, you know, the connection mm -hmm. to connect out of it, mm -hmm. I, that's what I believe. I, mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. You know. I mean, look. I joke when I drive in my car now. I don't have. I do not roll down the window to tell the person next to me on the road how poor I think their vehicle skills are, mm. vehicular skills are. Did that continue in sobriety? A little yes, it still does. To, you know, like today I was on the phone with, with somebody who wants to get together and I said, hang on a second, this ignoramus wants to go by. <laughs> you know, and as the guy went by, he just waved, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> now see, in the past, when I would lower my window and tell them that they were whatever, yeah. <laughs> then I would have to follow them wherever oh. they went oh, so yeah. I could make amends. 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, so save myself the extra trip of making amends. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty frightening. I may still think they're an ignoramus, but I don't have to tell them. Okay, so wait a minute. You yell at someone. Who cares what I think? You idiot. And then you immediately feel remorse. So then you gun down after them, and they're ter- and then you get next and then to them they're again. more petrified. Yeah, you get next to them. Sorry, is yeah, that what you do? Yeah, or I follow them to wherever they stop, and I say, "Listen, I just want to apologize yeah. for what I said to you, you before." Seem like a crazy person. <clears throat> yeah, but I feel better after I do it. Um, I have an interesting thing. This just happened to me when I was running to go get lunch before you got here. Um, you know that that the constant ba- this is I'm going off on a tangent, but that constant battle the pedestrian has against the driver, where you feel so justified, whether you are the pedestrian or the driver, you are right, and this little weird power battle we're getting in, whatever. Um, you hate, you know. Anyway, um, just I was crossing the street, and this girl was like, gunning through and not letting me go, and then. And then, like, she sort of just had this epiphany that she, what she was doing wasn't cool. And, like, we waved and smiled and had this, like, total connection. And rage transforms to love. I mean, that's a little extreme. I wouldn't say I love her. Smile could do that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's amazing this. You know, it's kind of like what you're talking about, about um, turning the switch off. The way you can switch from, you know. You I, I can only to. do it because I've learned to recognize the feeling. More. Yeah. You know, it says in um, in the vision for you, you know, see to it that your own house is in order. Yeah. Because then you can't transmit something you haven't got. So, so then I try to do certain things each day to make my connection. See, I don't believe in good and bad and positive and negative, you know. I mean, though I may inadvertently use those terms as shorthand, uh, but I believe in connected and disconnected. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've... I've learned now in 22 years of being clean and sober that uh, I, I've learned that I, I know when I'm disconnected. Mm-hmm. I may not know immediately, but I, it doesn't take me, you know, um, take me nearly as long as it used to take me. In fact, it's, it's a much more rapid process to go from disconnected to connected. Sometimes <clears throat> I'm stuck and I know that... It, that a process is to call my sponsor mm-hmm. or to just call somebody else. I hope that somebody that I sponsor calls me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that I can travel out of that, you know, that sort of, that, that situation. And, you know, it's wonderfully freeing. Um, I don't have to carry, <laughs> you know, it was like in that movie, The Mission, when Robert De Niro killed his brother um, mm-hmm. and he's uh, put all of his stuff in a, sort of a gunny sack and he's dragging it along with him and Jeremy Irons after a while just cuts the rope and said that's enough <clears throat> I don't need to carry that sack mm-hmm. you know much further than where I'm sitting to a door anymore mm-hmm. I want to load it up I want to strap it to my back you know I think I need to be you know do some penance or whatever it is but as soon as I get to that feeling I know what it's about and I seek to get out of it. But mm-hmm. I, like again, it's like a, uh, small victories. Yeah. You know, it's small victories. And, you know, it's the small stuff. And the whole world works on small stuff. Like I tell people, it's the $2 track at the racetrack that keeps that whole place, you know, yeah. coming. Not, yeah. the, not the $100 betters and the 500 It's the $2 betters. Yeah, yeah. So it's the little things that matter. Um, now, okay, so tell me, we're going to transition... Tell me your craziest drug story. 
Oh, God. You were a Coke guy, too, right? <clears throat> oh, big time. I used to do Coke. Um, uh, <laughs> I was doing about $800 a day. That is not. And, and drinking just three Just snorting quarts. it, though? Yeah, just snorting well, so it. I tried, I tried to smoke it. Back then, it was called freebasing. Yeah. And nothing happened. And I, it was at the point where my higher power was interceding because not too long after that, I stopped. But I tried it You got a times. pipe and you... The guy, my Coke dealer came over and said, you know, man, the way you go through, you ought to smoke it, man. Yeah, so, you know, And I was like, all right, you know, let me try it. And I just felt cold and clammy. And he said, there's something wrong with my pipe. He goes, when I come back tomorrow, uh, or the next time I see you, I'll bring a different pipe. Different. He brought a different pipe. Well, he was my Coke dealer. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. wasn't my friend. No. <clears throat> and, I mean, to this day, I don't even remember his name. Alex. But, that was mine. Oh, you remember you did? Wow. Oh, wow. yeah, Alex. You seem like the type that would be... That, that would what? Remember? Would remember stuff like that. No, I have the worst memory ever. Really? And I will never forget Alex, Joey, I had an Italian one, and Violet. Oh, Violet. No, I, I didn't, didn't have, have any, any of them. I had a... Anyway, I can't remember his name. Good, but good, it was, good. But, but it was... I think it was... I think it was Latin, some kind of Latin. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so another time he came and it didn't work. So, and then not about a week after that, I stopped doing coke. But my bottom then, as I share a lot of times from the podium, was a financial bottom. Okay. I, my, this gambling club that I was running, uh, I had, like, you know, driven it into hell. And, um, and I owed so much money to Shylocks and loan sharks and... So, what does that mean, running a gambling club? I ran an, an illegal after-hours poker game. I okay. used to work in an illegal after-hours blackjack parlor, okay. where when they got busted, you go to jail. <clears throat> well, that was for somebody else. But when I opened up my own poker game, um, there was no going to jail because I wouldn't let anybody in who I didn't know. And if you couldn't get in, if the, if the moral squad cop couldn't come in and buy in with a marked bill, there's no way they could bust your place unless they had. So probable cause that some other crime was going on because you got to remember it's not really illegal to, play to gamble yeah it's illegal to promote it interesting so did you have this like in your house or whatever no i rented it i rented it while place. i was living there with my 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 now ex-wife and i split up uh we weren't we weren't even married then we got married and then split up later on but uh when we had split up that time i was living in a two duplex apartment that i was renting on the east side of new york and so, and so, you are you a gambling addict too? No, no. I mean, I, I <clears throat> you know, I, I'm more than willing to recognize whatever my my talents are, or what they may be, or what I may learn that I'm still talented at. But as far as poker is concerned, you know, I used to joke that you know, poker players are like lovers. Everybody thinks they're the best in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't want to make that mistake because I'm pretty good about my my connection to women. Mm -hmm. So I won't in, in, interject <laughs> poker into it. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I'd say I'm like sort of a, a B-plus poker player. Okay. You know, and if I get some good cards and suddenly I can play like an A player. Right. But for the most part, I'm a B-plus poker player. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like when I played racquetball. I used to play racquetball very competitively. I'd say I was sort of a B-plus, A-minus. Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, I knew I wasn't an A-plus guy mm -hmm. at that. There's certain things I do in my life that I suppose I'm A plus at, and I, you know, and there's more that I'll learn than I am. Mm -hmm. But I don't mind, you know, um, I don't look at them as my shortcomings. I just look at it as being realistic, you know. But you didn't have the addiction thing going with the gambling. No, the gambling. I just, I mean, I, I was looking for an easy way out. Yeah. You know, certainly, 
And because I, my prowess, which was, in, which was in, in, fueled by my addiction, mm-hmm. suddenly I thought, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the greatest there ever is because I got this club, so I'll, get, I'll beat these people. You know? But you were already acting professionally then. I was, no, acting was, yeah, I was, but acting was sort of put on hold for a while mm-hmm. while I was running this stupid club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you never got busted, you just woke up. Oh, I got busted when I was working at the blackjack places, uh, but not my Okay, club. so one day, a, a week or so after the guy gives you the second pipe, you just wake up one day and you go, this is not working. <clears throat> no, I knew it wasn't working. I had had things were going on and I recognized that, I said, you know, there's something, something's not, you know, just... But I was coming to a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, so I stopped. You know, not too long after that, I went to meetings in New York, mm-hmm. and and I was willing to accept that I had a problem with cocaine. with cocaine, cocaine, but I was not willing to accept that I had a problem with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I did ninety days of no of doing nothing, and then I said, you know what? Okay, fine, just no more drugs, and then mm-hmm. I just kept drinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, certainly my capacity for alcohol diminished. Because you have that narco ethanol high of doing alcohol and drugs at the same time, mm-hmm. and they just sort of go like that as they take you to a point where you just then collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my capacity for alcohol just diminished. Mm-hmm. So no longer could I drink three quarts a day, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the substances that I did drink, I couldn't drink scotch anymore after a couple of years. I, I wasn't really a vodka drinker or a, or, a, or a gin. And then I just sort of switched to wine, you know. Wait a second. So you had ye- three years of quitting Coke and drinking still? Yeah, I, I had nine years of... Wow, okay. And was that hard to stop Coke and to drink and not want to do Coke? <clears throat> the only reason why I was able to stop the Coke, as I re- recognize now, is because I was still drinking. Well, yeah. I needed to be numb. Yeah, yeah. So the alcohol made me numb, and, I, and that's what I was seeking, numbness. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. did not want, you know, I, I did not, you know, like... It was like that Dylan lyric, Shelter from the Storm. Mm-hmm. And I thought booze, for the most part, when I look back on it, was giving me shelter from the storm. But the storm was raging inside of me. Still, I'm, I'm, I am going to, for me, I used to try to quit Coke and I would make it a month and, you know, drinking. And then at the end of the month, I'd go, well, obviously I'm not a Coke addict because Coke addicts can't stop doing Coke for 30 days. And I'd go back. I would argue it was harder to quit Coke and drink than it was to give up everything. That was my experience. It was harder to quit Coke and keep drinking. No, it was, it was easier. Not for, for me. me. Oh, for, for me. me, it was easier. I, I don't. I mean, I so, just wanted to be numb. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, when um, and then, what made you ultimately quit drinking? <clears throat> I had a situation one night where somebody said no to me in the afternoon about this project, and if they'd said yes, it would have moved forward. And they said no when they previously said yes. And then they changed their mind. Mm-hmm. And I went out to eat early dinner with my now my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And we I ordered a bottle of wine. I gave her one glass and I had three and a half glasses and mm-hmm. finished the bottle. And I was a stark, raving lunatic. I'd not ever been that in all my drinking and using days. <clears throat> Except one time with the Coke. I remember I got like really like ugly animated. But that was it. And not too long after that, I quit. Mm-hmm. Drink, it's quit doing the coke. But um, I got, I was, hum, I was homicidal. I was really a danger. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I managed, but I 
managed to get home. My ex-wife drove. I admitted I couldn't drive for the first time ever because mm-hmm. um, I knew the car would be a weapon. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if anybody, I would run them down mm-hmm. or crash into them. I was crazed. Mm-hmm. And I wound up in my backyard. I had the beautiful home up in the hills. I had, you know, the, the, the typical Hollywood fantasy life, mm-hmm. you know, and the home with the view. Um, kidney-shaped pool, mm-hmm. you know, the beautiful wife, some cats in the house, mm-hmm. really nice cars in the driveway, you know, all that, hill home. And I'm laying in my backyards like a Bowery Street bum. I mean, just shaking on my back because I didn't, couldn't stand because I was going to throw up and I didn't want to throw up. So I, and I couldn't stand and I'm lying on my back and I'm just shaking and shaking and shaking and saying something is so horribly wrong with my life. I have everything and why do I feel this... And I remember the moon was coming up over the neighboring, neighboring hillside. It was Mulholland Estates. And I looked up over at it. And suddenly I just went, and yelled like a werewolf, mm-hmm. like twice. And then <laughs> two coyotes howled back. Uh-huh. Now, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but at the time I thought it's great. I've become a savage. Right. Wild animals know what I'm saying. Right. You know, I'm communicating. They're saying, yeah, don't worry, Tony, we're right over. You know, you got anything left? And, uh, and I remember I just started to sob. And I cried. I probably didn't cry that. I mean, the last time I probably cried as loudly and as intensely as that was probably was when I was born and slapped on the ass. Wow. <clears throat> and, uh, and then I remember I heard a voice. And, you know, it's no, there's no Twilight Zone kind of stuff. It was clearly a voice. I mean, it may have evolved from my, 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 my head, but it was, it was a voice. And the voice said, You're, it's done. You're over. You need help. And I thought it was my neighbor, because I looked. I was laying on my back. I looked around at my neighbor, and I'm thinking, oh, "No, it's nobody there." And I, I said, and all I remember saying, "Okay," those were the words that came out of my mouth. Okay. So it, you, it, the way you experienced it was a voice as clear as a person. As clear speaking. as you're speaking to me now. As clear as I hear your voice, I hear my voice. I heard that voice. And I mean, then did, there was no. It wasn't like. Ooh, I mean, it was a voice. Yeah. I hear people talk about that. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I guess some people, when they have that white light experience and stuff yeah. like that, you know, some people think it's something that something fires in your brain, and then you think, you know, oh, you're, you've, you've crossed over for a moment. <clears throat> you know, who knows what we're capable of? I mean, Einstein used maybe 18 to 20% of his brain, and look at what he did. Mm-hmm. That means 80% of his brain wasn't being used. True of all of us. Yeah, so... You know, if I'm lucky enough to be using, let's say, 15% of my mm-hmm, brain or mm-hmm. 16, I want to go the number to go higher. Yeah, yeah, good luck. But, you know, but the point is, uh, it's totally possible yeah. that I connected to something on a real primitive, primal level that maybe for that moment, my brain was at 30%. Yeah, and it, that's interesting. You know, or maybe it was even higher, but because the voice was... V- clearly a voice i mean it was not you know and i'm not saying it was god Mm -hmm. but i'm saying maybe something in that that part you know like the eye that's always observing the me Mm -hmm. well it was like the eye was speaking to me Mm -hmm. so wherever that eye is connected to Mm -hmm. you know metaphysically people say that's the universal thing that we're all explain what you mean i actually don't know what you mean by the eye that's observing the me Uh, a lot of uh, new age thinkers and a lot of you know channelers and 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 like Deepak Chopra 
and uh, Wayne Dyer, and I listened to this really cool dude named Anthony, he's passed on, Anthony DeMello. Mm -hmm. They all talk about the temporal world around us is connected to me. Yeah. It's connected basically to the ego. Yeah. <clears throat> Good or bad, you know, connected or disconnected, it's the ego. But there's something that observes all of this, and it's not the me. And people say it's the I. That's why <clears throat> the I is like lives in a kind of perfection. Mm -hmm. And it has no choice but to travel along with the me. And hopefully, if you can connect to that I through meditation, through through moments of, of calm and quietness, you know, you might be able to get the eye to like influence what you're doing. <laughs> That's why if you try to put yourself down, you can't put yourself down for a long enough, long period of time because the eye stops it. And I says, no, you know what? That's that you're talking about. You know, you're talking about Anna. You're not talking about me. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about Tony. You're not talking about me. You know, you talk. You're not. You're not talking about I. You're talking about the me. You know, and fine. You want, but. And, and then you get to the point where you can't put yourself down anymore. And so then you start putting somebody else down. And then when that person turns around and apologizes to you for what you think they did, then you start to go back on yourself again. And, and then eventually the ice is, it's like psychiatrists, I'll tell you, it's like, oh, you, you can't keep putting yourself down. Mm -hmm. Something inside of you stops mm -hmm. because it knows it's not true because it's all based on fear. So it, it's sort of your higher and lower self or your instinct versus your fear. I mean, do you think those are sort of uh, <clears throat> different semantics, same idea? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can accept the terms higher or lower self. Well, you know, I mean, I know what you're trying to say. Your wise self, I mean, I, I think that terminology works well. Like, I mean, it's something that I can understand, the sort of... Okay, it, for the purposes of, of, of communicating right now, communicating yeah, higher or lower, yeah, higher and lower, yeah, sure. Okay, thank you, thank you for letting me use terms that you don't you're not totally down with yes ma'am okay yeah it, it's yeah i think that because what you were saying about you know percentage of the brain i wonder if it's are we accessing are we being more intelligent or are we being more spiritual um <clears throat> you know because here's my thinking and experience in terms of recovery in terms of and and what i said about oh it's easier to quit everything than to quit coke and keep drinking um, what I believe happens to many of us, and I cannot explain it, is this, it, you know, it, it, it's something happens where the desire to do these things gets removed. And it is not about willpower. It is about, you know, something, some miracle occurs in some second of time where there's, I, I, I can't explain it. Do you know what I'm saying? Where, where it's all higher self or I or whatever you want to call it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where the inspiration <laughs> comes from. Where does it come from? Does it come from, oh, you're walking down the street and you see this tree and you go, oh. and, and, and No, it's because that part of you <clears throat> for a moment in time is connected to well, to the to to a higher plane, mm -hmm. okay, and when it connects to that higher plane, it influences. It's like, it's like people like the Bible, mm -hmm. the Torah, the Bible. People want to say that it's the literal word of God, mm -hmm. and other people say it's the inspired word of God. So, <clears throat> in the New Testament, Jesus says, "As um, I read the Bible, so mm -hmm. what, and the Torah, yeah, okay. I can stop." Well. Because I could stop arguing with people. I used to argue with people, and I never read the book. Right. 
So now that I read the book, I don't feel the need to argue with them. You know, I, it's a great metaphor, great metaphors in the book. But Jesus says, ye are like gods. So now if you think about what, even our, even our most basis, basic interpretation of what God is, pretty potent thing. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying to us, ye are like gods. So what is God about? God is about pure creative energy. It's about pure thought. And it keeps continually flowing through all of us. Mm -hmm. And he says to everybody at this sermon, I guess it was a sermon, and he says, these things that I do, greater things than these you can do Mm -hmm. if you have faith as as a mustard seed. So when you think about how big a mustard seed is, and he's saying, just have pure, positive, total connection, even that little. Yeah. You could tell one mountain to move from here to there, and it'll be done. But he never says how long it'll take. Right. You know, but it'll be done. And a mountain, symbolically and metaphorically in the Bible, always represented your problems. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, you know, I think, for me, what it's about. It's like, like if you do take a mustard, let's say you take an apple seed, Mm -hmm. and you hold an apple seed in your hand. It's this little black thing, maybe it's a quarter of an inch long or an eighth, you know, three-eighths of an inch long and an eighth of an inch wide. And so it's, it's kind of like a big seed, but go yeah, on. it's a big seed. Go on. But you know what exists inside that seed? A gigantic apple tree mm-hmm. that will continue to produce, produce apples, you know, five, six, seven hundred apples a year for the next 30 years until it dies. That's what's holding, that's what you're holding in your hand. Only you only see it as this little seed. Right. <laughs> but... If you can connect to your higher self, you could look at that seed and imagine the tree. Right. You know, if you let go enough. Yeah. And if you put it in the ground, who knows how long it'll take before it starts to sprout, but when it sprouts and then it eventually it becomes a tree. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, a great parable about patience. Oh, you got to have a pocket full of patience. You got to put that in your pocket every morning. I, I, I sometimes know. forget it on my counter. And yeah. I'm driving down the street, and I go, oh, shit, I forgot my, 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 can I curse? I'm sorry. Oh, please curse away. I, uh, I forgot my, I don't usually curse when I talk about the program stuff, but I'll say, oh, I forgot my patience. And sometimes I'll even pull over and just breathe and breathe until I can reassemble the patience into my pocket, and then I'll drive on. So, yeah, I mean, you're what they call a very, like, disciplined and respectful program person which i you really are i mean i think you emanate that i think i think that you the way you talk it reflects that and and i know how um how generous you've been in terms of showing up i've seen you be a part of a bunch of recovery events right yes you're very um it strikes me that you're checking your watch which is worse no, no, than no. yawning <laughs> no 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 i have an apple watch and it started Okay. And okay. It said somebody was trying to call me. So. Did you know that the that the uh, cost of those got like sliced, and that's because they're not, it's not taken off the way that they thought. Now, do you, does that make you regret having one? It, well, I, I pay. I regret what I paid for. Yeah. It. I yeah. mean, I thought it was worth less than it was. It, they're kind of cool, right? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, how again, close do you need your technology? Do you want it in your eye? Well, <laughs> implanted you mean in a there? little chip. Yeah. Why not? Uh. I am I quest information and knowledge every day, all day. Uh-huh. So uh, the iPhone to me is this incredible, again, it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's the iPhone, it's the eye, it's the eye that me. connects to, you know, 
helps me connect to the universe in an instant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I really enjoy that. I mean, I was, I was the square kid in college who used to go to the library and take books out and sit there and read them because mm -hmm. I love to learn things. What are you reading now? What am I reading now? Right now, <laughs> right now I've been looking at uh, travel books. Uh -huh. I don't know why. I'm not even planning on traveling anywhere, but I've just been looking at some travel books. And um, I just fast, I, you know, I got tired of reading for a little bit, so yeah. I just like looking at pictures. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going through a thing, God, I'm really not, I don't usually tangent this much, but what can I say? You're inspiring some tangents. Where I've become really aware of what I don't know. I used to just not know a lot of things and not know that I didn't know them. And I, I'm overwhelmed lately by the number of things. The things I know about, I know a lot. But that's the key to my sobriety, is being able to say, I don't know. Yeah. See, I used to have to make up, I, dare I look stupid yeah. in front of somebody. Yeah. So if somebody said, you know, well, I'd say, well, and they said, no, that, I think it's, I said, no, that's what it is, you know. And, right. And they say, what are you, I'm telling you, that's what it is, you know. Right. And, I, <clears throat> and uh, I would get incredibly animated. So today, it's like, you know, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm like, you know, Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll think about it. Yeah. Or, hey, I'll go look at my watch. Hey, how about, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Let, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Wow. And so I can do that today. And it's so freeing. You have no idea. Now, oh, I had a very important I question. Mean, no idea. No. I, I, I have no idea because I'm feeling all this shame about what I don't know. I think that, that what that is, any time I've grown, um, whatever, I, I get in a process of being very uncomfortable with something and that is a sign that I'm moving through something and coming to some form of acceptance or I don't know. Um, regardless, uh, what was I going to say? It, it's, it's radical trans, transition. Um, how, uh, what effect did sobriety have on your acting career? Because I'm imagining it had a major impact. Well, I, I, like I said, when I stopped doing the coke, um, I kept drinking, but I, I didn't drink on the job. Mm -hmm. And then I started to like prioritize and mm -hmm. get my nose to the grindstone and started doing the acting thing again full time, even though I was in my 30s and my middle 30s, which was a time when most people decide they're going to do something else. But I said, you know, I, I lost it to I lost it to drugs in the gambling club, and I said I I got to get it back, because I, I really love doing it, mm -hmm. and so I, you know, um, I humbled myself a lot. I did did background work. I did whatever I could do to you know make a dollar, and uh, but also I mean I didn't do anything to like diminish my my dignity, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> and uh, no, I didn't do porn. Mm -hmm. no, no, nobody asked. But, hey, never say never. Yeah. I didn't say never. I said I didn't do porn. <laughs> never means there's hope. Uh, so then what happened is I got this, caught this break. On what was this, your big break? It was a TV series called Crime Story. Uh -huh. It was executive produced by Michael Mann. Uh -huh. uh, and it starred uh, myself and Dennis Farina. Uh -huh. And it was a magnificent experience. It ran two years, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, Michael Mann was instrumental in changing my life. I went from almost complete obscurity, no, complete obscurity, because I didn't even have any footage when I got the job. So there was no reel that they could look at 
at, you know, back no no videotape. Yeah, back yeah, then yeah. it was videotape. There was nothing they could look at. Yeah, you just walked so in. I walked and in. It was it. just my 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 audition in, in the room, and so I uh, <clears throat> it uh, catapulted me from obscurity into a situation where um, I mean. I don't want to say this. I don't. I don't say this without sounding like I'm bragging. It's okay. But but the level of people in this community that would stop me on the street. Right. You know, I'm talking. You know, A-list people to tell me how much they enjoyed my performance on that, especially in the beginning when it first used to air, was just wow. You know. Do you get more? Humbling. Did you get more kudos for that than any other job you've had since? No, I, I get kudos now, gladly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I give you, I give you the best kudo I ever got uh-huh. was from my mom. Uh huh. Okay. My mom and I, you know, we used to be at odds, and some my dad too. But, <clears throat> but you know, they they are my heroes. They're both gone, but they're my heroes. And my mom and I, I used to tell my mom, oh, mom, I'm doing this TV movie with so-and-so. You know, and my mom would go, oh, Anthony, that's nice. She'd call me Anthony. And she'd go, oh, Anthony, that's nice. And then she would see the move. She would see the movie on TV or go to the movie and see the movie. And she'd say, wow, Anthony, you were in it a lot. And I'd say, well, I'm one of the, one of the leads, Stars, mom. Yeah. yeah, I'm one of the, she goes, yeah, but I mean, you were in it like as much as so-and-so. Right. And it used to like... Ah. I mean, so my ex-wife, God bless her, <clears throat> said to me, you know, a lot of it is the way you hear it. The way, no, the way you talk about it yourself. Oh, you talk about it from the point of view is almost as if like, well, look how lucky I am or fortunate I am. And I don't believe in luck. So she said, so, you know, you got to start figuring out a new way. to." So then when my mom would call me and I said, my mom would say, what are you doing? I said, oh, I just finished a project. I said, yeah, I said, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she'd say, oh, you know, and something. And I'd, she'd say, oh, uh, you, uh, you know, and I'd say, yeah, I'm the lead. I said, and so-and-so's in it. You know, we share the lead together. Yeah. And <clears throat> that started to change. Wow. I'm going to cry. Okay. So one day my mom calls me up and my career was, and you know, like I, I share about this all the time, but my career was dying. I don't know why. And I knew, now I know why, because I needed to learn that I had to be happy with who I am, not what I am. And once that started to happen, my life changed. But I remember it was during a real slow period, and my mom calls me up, she goes, you know, Anthony? She says, uh, she goes, how come I don't see you in very many more, more movies? I mean, you know, I, when I watch you in movies with certain people, and then I see them in movies with other people, you make them better. Uh-huh. Imagine that. Uh. Because you make them better. Oh, jeez. She goes, that's why they should use you more, because you make the other person act better. So, um, and I remember I just, I couldn't talk when she told me that. I just, I literally could not talk. And she was like, oh, what's the matter? And I said, no, no, that's all right. I, yeah, because she's just telling you what she... And I just said, I love you, you know. And... Um, and then the other thing that's funny is when, again, during this slow period, so my mom says to me, Anthony, why don't you, why don't you call that, you know, why don't you call that guy? I said, what guy, mom? She goes, because she lives in New York. I was out here. She goes, you know, that guy. And I go, what guy? She goes, you know, the, the guy with the bull. Now, the funny <laughs> thing about it is that I knew who she was talking yeah, of course, about. I yeah. said, 
You mean Raging Bull, Martin Scorsese? He goes, yeah, Martin Scorsese, give him a call. And I said, I don't know, he's Italian, he's yeah. from New York. You know, give him a call. Yeah. So I said, well, and then I realized, yeah, of course, why not? What's the worst thing that can happen? Sorry, we're busy, you know. So I called him, and uh, there was a project that he was doing. I think it was Goodfellas. And, uh, and I called up about it, and they said, oh, wow, and they knew who I was, you know, and they were very respectful to me on the phone, but they said, all the principal roles have been cast. They said, but, you know, we'll, you know, we'll pass the information along to Martin. You know, I know he, they, we, we know he knows you. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, well, great. Have you, have you worked with him since? No, no, I've not. I've not. I've but you're on a show right now. I'm on a show now that's been on the air for 11 years in two different titles. Yeah. One is The Closer and now as uh, Major Crimes. Okay, I did not understand that that was the same show. I thought it's it was a spin-off. Exact. It's the same show minus Kira Sedgwick. Uh, Sedgwick. Okay. Mary McDonald now okay. is the leading female on the show. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, she's incredibly wonderful to work Why with. Why would they change the name of a show? Well, because when the other person left the show, okay. the f- there's the f- licensing and franchising. Wow, okay. So they decided rather than pay that eighth yeah. year, you know, which is really significant, yeah. they just said, we'll end the closer as the closer and revamp it up now as Major Crimes, which was what Kira's character was in charge of, the Major Crimes Got Division. It. So then they started the major crimes, and you know, but it, for the actors, it was it was great because we basically started, you know, at pretty much the point where we left off. But it was the same characters, the same show. It was just she, only she wasn't there. Yeah. So uh, and now it's been four years, and the show does uh, significantly better numbers than the closing. Interesting. Interesting. Now, and to weave that back to recovery, because those are crazy hours when you're shooting a show, right? you got no time. No, there's no... Well... It's what everybody says. Well... I've never been on a show. I don't know. Our show, they, they, because you know, the budget is such that we can shoot here in L.A., um, you know, norm, a day is normally anywhere from 10 to maybe 13 hours, something but, like that. That's what I work. Yeah. Oh, come on. That, no. sounds, that sounds very I mean, doable. <laughs> yeah, it is doable. Now, um, and so in terms of your day-to-day life, uh, you you work all the time. You don't have to, you don't worry about work anymore, do you? Well, I mean, <clears throat> not really. I mean, I'm, I, I have an, ex- we've got an f- extra couple of episodes this year. So instead of being done, like, which I would have been next week, uh, I don't end this year until the middle of January. So, uh, and then I have from the middle of January to the middle of March, free. Yeah. Hopefully, if there's a movie I can do during that period of time, I will. Are you a guy who still auditions, or people just call you Depends up? on the situation. Yeah. You know, I used to, like, uh, you know, when I was doing Crime Story, after Crime Story, everybody was like, they were getting offers all the time. Yeah. It was like, you know, I was Ray Luca. That was the name of the character I played, and I was like, Roy. And, um, <clears throat> but... Then when things started to slow down for me, yeah, I had to audition, and it was like, don't they know who I think I am? Yeah. You know? And and then I realized that when you audition for a role and you get it, then they really wanted you. Yeah. You know, that you really got the role because of something you brought to it. I didn't, it wasn't like I was in competition against anybody else in the room. 
It was just that I brought something to the to the role that they hadn't seen before or that they were looking for that sort of matched their vision. And so auditioning is fine, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, <coughs> because I have a certain reputation now in the business of being this guy on a hit show, and mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get, um, they'll call me up about some TV series they want me to do a guest star on during mm -hmm. my time off, and I'll say, what's the role? And they say, oh, you know, some hard-nosed cop who's, you know, and I'd say, okay, so what are they offering? They said, no, they want you to come in and read. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I play a tough cop yeah. for the past yeah, 11 they years. They it's like, either they show. want me or they don't want me. Right. But if it's a feature film, <clears throat> again, and if I wasn't filming the TV show, yeah, sure, that's, that's part of the game. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a feature film, they've got millions and millions of dollars at stake for, you know, this certain period of time. I can understand them wanting to, like, have people come in and read. But at the same time, they also make the same mistakes all the time, too. They're, they'll make an offer to somebody who's not right because they think the person is, is a name. He's going to bring seats into the house. Mm -hmm. you know. And you know what? If it meant the difference between me paying my mortgage and my house in Bel Air, let's say if I had a house in Bel Air, I might make those same decisions, too. Mm -hmm. I don't begrudge anybody their success uh, and you know the decisions they make. Yeah, I hate to be on the receiving end of a decision that doesn't, or a decision that doesn't receive me. Right. You know, but I understand what people go through. Hey, alcoholics aren't the only people who've cornered the market on fear. No. Okay. It's just that we can, we can, you know, muse about it at infinitum. Yeah. Know? Whereas non-alcoholics, because I don't believe in normal, so non-alcoholics, you know, they may be mad one day and then see them like you know that the next day, and you say, you know, so wasn't that terrible what happened yesterday? And you'll go, what? Yeah, and you, God, go, you know the so thing with this, and then they go, oh, you know, it's yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I have a dear friend, you know, <clears throat> who worked in this building. The guy okay, I was telling you about, David Burke. And uh, one day I was talking to him about something. I guess I was about like six years sober, and I was like, and uh, this person did, and, and you know what else he did, and he goes, my God, Tony, that's terrible. And I said, yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's really horrible. And he goes, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, there's not much I can do about it. He goes, well, why not? He goes, I would do something. I said, well, you know, it happened seven years ago. And he goes, wait a minute. <laughs> he goes, wait a minute. He goes, you just told me a story about something that happened to you seven years ago, and you're still talking about it? Right. And I said, yeah, because it was bad. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God. How long were you sober at that point? About six years. Um, yeah, that's fun. I had a I had a thing once, I think I, I was a few years sober, and I remember driving, I remember exactly, I was driving on Sweetser in Santa Monica, and I was talking to somebody, and I was, you know, going on and on, a guy who'd been sober a long time, going on and on and on and on, and he goes, wait, Anna, let me stop you. It was a Friday afternoon. What were you upset about last Friday afternoon? And I go, I don't know, and he's like, exactly. And it just was like a real wake up of... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I was saying this to a sponsor yesterday. Uh, you know, um, a lot of the women I know uh, think a lot about, the single women I know think a lot about dating and make a lot of busy texting and all of this stuff and then go a little a little crazy with it. And I was saying that, you know, you know and, and I think that sober people are quick to go, there's something wrong with me. Oh, my God, am I a sex and love addict? Oh, my God. You <clears throat> oh, know, yeah. and, and we really want to pathologize and... Um, and do that, and I think to our detriment. 
And I said to her, it's like, the sober women I know talk about it the exact same way as the non-alcoholic people I know. The difference is the story they make about it. Yeah. Really. And they don't talk about it that much longer. Than we, they don't talk about it as for as long as we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I've said this before. It's like, I say it when I speak, and it sounds, sounds so good. <clears throat> I'm always saying it. Alcoholism is humanism to an exponential degree. Are you impressed? Yes, I'm it very didn't impressed. Just love time. But uh, one day, so I had a feeling you were smart. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I I know how to really make them think I'm smart when I speak. If I if I you're if, clever, especially if I kind of throw that one out looking like I just thought of it. Oh, ah, um, I I seem like I'm using 22 percent of my brain when I do that. At least, if not 26. Um, but I I do believe that's true. You know that it is the same way human beings all over the world think. It's just what we make of it. You know, and that's why we have to drink and do drugs the way that we did. Right. I mean, Shakespeare said, well, Hamlet, uh, there's no such thing as good or bad. It's just thinking that makes it so. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you could live your whole life just quoting Shakespearean characters and and, and lead lead a very moral, connected life. I mean, uh, uh, in Hamlet in particular... There's a lot of things in Hamlet that we we don't even realize that we do in our lives. Uh, that w- quotes from Hamlet that we use, but um, but the thing about Hamlet, the greatest play, I, I see. I always say it's a play about an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and the people say why? It's because it's the greatest play, probably the great one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written, and it's about a guy who can't make up his mind. Hmm. Simple as that. He can't make up his mind. Do I suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or do I take up arms against the sea of troubles and, and by opposing in them? And as a result, he drove everybody around them nuts, you know. And this is what uh, this alcoholic used to do: drive everybody crazy. Right. Like, well, all right. Well, no, you know. Nah. And I said, "Well, that was yesterday, Tony. Oh, that was last week, Tony. Oh, you know. But all right, you know, I'm going to give them a, you know. Right. right. So, <clears throat> but you know, then it's like. Uh, I think it's Sir Toby Belch in the Twelfth Night. I think it's the Twelfth Night, or as you could be as you like it. But he says, which is a line I use a lot, you know, um, of what great ones do, the less will prattle. Oh, I think that we're done here. Um, so we're, we're getting out of here. So when people are talking about you and you know cackling about you, they're not the great ones. You're the great one. Yeah. Damn it, I wish some more people would cackle about me. Are they cackling about you, do you think? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good note to end on. Thank you so, so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, so that was Tony Dennison on After Party Pod. Hope you loved it. Go watch him, you guys. I'm sure you've seen him on 100 things. Keep listening. Keep liking. Keep telling your friends about this. I'm so grateful. Bye.